0: Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia is going to run for mayor of Chicago again. U.S. Rep Sean Kasten beat Republican challenger Keith Peacock, but it
1: was not an easy night. We
0: have a lot to do uh, in the very diverse 14th District.
2: Chicagoan Delia Ramirez becomes the first Latina headed to Congress from our area.
0: Here to help us make sense of all the things is Rick Pearson, chief political reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Happy Friday, Rick.
1: Is it Friday? (laughs) (laughs) It is. That's why I have a day (laughs) date (laughs) watch.
0: Apparently it is. Also here, Brandon Pope, host of On the Block on WCIU Channel 26 and host of Season 4 of WBEZ's Making Podcast. Welcome back, Brandon.
3: Great to be back as always. Good to see you.
0: On the line with us is Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox 32 News. Good to have you back on Reset, Mike. (laughs) Remember that you can now watch the Weekly News Recap live on the WBEZ Facebook and YouTube pages. So we're going to start with the mayor's race. Then we're going to make some sense of Tuesday's midterm elections. Newly reelected congressman Chuy Garcia ended the "Willie won't he saga, (laughs) announcing that he will actually run for mayor. Mike, this wasn't exactly a surprise, was it?
2: No, uh, he's been signaling. After having, uh, in, in the words of uh, the mayor's uh, uh, campaign spokeswoman, after having dithered for weeks and months, uh, he's now been signaling in the last few weeks that uh, that he uh, that he's in. And uh, the question is just, um, you know, how much money he will have. Um, he does have a ready-made cadre of uh, of supporters and workers i i think despite the late start he's uh, already had people out uh, collecting signatures uh, while it, while many of the dozen or so candidates uh, there there are running claiming to run for mayor there are questions about whether they'll make the ballot i think uh, congressman garcia will make the ballot
0: yeah well garcia ran for mayor back in 2015 so your thoughts on his chances this time around
2: Oh, I, I think he instantly uh, vaults into the front rank of contenders, and you know he's uh, and, and and if he can get, he, you know, he told me uh, several months ago that one of the obstacles uh, when when he was thinking about this one of the obstacles was raising the five to seven million or even eight million that he thinks is going to be needed. I um, mean, if he can pull that together, he might even become a front runner.
0: Yeah. Rick, do you think that he stands out from the other candidates?
1: Oh, I think he does. And part of it is that previous history that exists, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as the fact that, you know, uh, as a leading uh, Latino voice in Congress in here in Chicago, basically has created his own political machinery and uh, has kind of the stature to, to make this run. And so... Uh The question I think becomes, though, is, you know, he's a Bernie Sanders progressive. And how many progressives are there going to be in this race? Yeah. And I really think, you know, the question now that, you know, you've got some of these traditional union labor unions that were would have supported him. have already they've already jumped to other people. Yeah. So it's I think this is the kind of the next machination of this is to see where the progressives, if they can unify behind a, a candidate.
3: I'm real fascinated by that myself. You know, SEIU and the CTU both backing Brandon Johnson, another progressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to have a large volunteer base with those two alone and a treasure trove of money as well. So. I'm like a lot of people. They talked about Chewy Garcia getting in this and it being a Chewy versus Lightfoot and a runoff. Right. Uh, with Brandon Johnson in there and looking at what he, the resources he's going to have, you got to wonder what, what his lane's going to be here. And he, if he can, if he can disrupt it, he's going to have the money to throw a few shots any way he wants to.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to pivot to the midterms, right? Because that turned out to be a blue wave in Illinois, really, on on Tuesday. <laughs> Democrats had major wins throughout the state. We're going to take a closer look at some of the more important races, of course, but I want to get just your main takeaways from the results. I'll start with you, Rick.
1: Uh, one, uh, Republicans in the state are on the verge of irrelevancy. Uh, they were in, poised to, at the very least, pick up a few legislative seats that might reduce the Democratic majorities in the General Assembly. They're going to be a vastly smaller minority hmm. in the Illinois legislature. They had the position to be able to try to at least uh, keep what they had in the state Supreme Court. That went down the drain. And I think part of it really all you know there are a number of factors here but i think one major factor two major factors one was their choice for a nominee for governor and two uh the actually how abortion uh, really became a significant mm-hmm. factor in driving women particularly suburban women to the
2: polls
0: which we suspected but just to see it happen was was something else mike your thoughts
2: well, I'll, I'll just share with you. I, I had planned to come into the studio with you, but uh, but I ended up, um, I've, I've been editing a late interview I did with uh, State Representative Jim Durkin, the House Republican leader who has fallen on his sword uh, in, uh, in the uh, traditional, in, in the ancient tradition of taking the hit when, when you lose four seats, when you were supposed to pick up four or five or seven. Um, and he is... Uh, just, I mean, in, in the interview for tonight's program, uh, uh, he's just scathing. Um, he, he blames uh, uh, Donald Trump. He says this became an election about Donald Trump and abortion and the fact that voters in northern Illinois just didn't want a southern Illinois farmer uh, who was a Donald Trump endorsed candidate to be their governor. Uh, he And he says there has to be a fight between the pro-Trump and anti-Trump wing for better for for lack of a better uh, characterization of that and and that fight has actually been going on for for
1: decades. a couple of decades yeah. here
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and you know the 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 pro-Trump folks have won uh the the triumph of uh, Darren Bailey over Richard Urban uh, seemed to seal seal that um and uh Durkin doesn't mince any words. He says, uh, had Richard Irvin, the African-American mayor of, uh, of Aurora, been the party's nominee, um, he thinks they would have done far better. Interesting. Um You know, the, those those five congressional seats that Republicans dreamed of picking up, uh, the three in the suburbs, uh, plus the Nikki Budzinski seat in 13, and, uh, and the Eric Sorensen versus uh, Esther Joy King out in the Quad Cities in the 17th district, they got skunked. They lost them all. You know, it wasn't just the Supreme Court where they got skunked, as Rick pointed out. I mean, it was a catastrophe for Illinois Republicans. And Durkin, at least, uh, says he knows he'll be called a rhino. He says he's ready to embrace that.
0: Anyone here surprised that Durkin is stepping down as minority leader?
1: Uh, Not at all. But but also it looks too that the Dan McConkey the Senate Republican leader is being ousted. Mm-hmm. To, they got to find so, a new way and a new path here. Well, and and you know I, I really think you can't underestimate the, the suburbs and the exactly. evolution of the suburbs. Yeah. And when you look at just, you know, the collar counties were already turning. Mm-hmm. And here, you know, DuPage County, which is where I grew up was yeah. the, that was the hotbed of Republicanism in the mm-hmm. state. It mm-hmm. was the start of the firewall for Democrats in Cook County. You had the Republican votes in the collars. And
3: then Barack Obama and, happened.
1: Yes. <laughs> and then, well, as well as a shift of demographics from it, You know, but people people used to say some of the Republican leaders, it's like, well, we don't have to recruit them as Republicans here in DuPage. They came here because they were tired of Chicago Democrats. Mm. And that assumption is way, way gone now. And so the suburbs, you know, now you've got, uh, I believe, uh, about seven counties now with exurbs. You have uh, Kendall County, Mm -hmm. DeKalb County. Going for a Democrat for governor?
0: Well, let's let's talk about that sixth district race, right. Why don't we? Um, you know, Sean Caston won there. It was recently redrawn that district. Remind us where the district covers now?
1: Well, the district was primarily the old six that he where he won twice. Yeah. He defeated Peter Roskam, who was a major player in the House Ways and Means Committee when he won. The old six was largely concentrated in DuPage County in the northwest suburbs. Because of redistricting in the census, when we lose a congressional seat, all the districts get changed, Democrats have the map-making power, and they basically combined um, the 6th with the existing 3rd, Southwest, Mm -hmm. instead of Northwest, it went Southwest, and it went more into Cook County, and so... This was going to be a test for Caston because it's a lot of the district was yeah. not his territory. I mean, Marie Newman's the incumbent in the yep. current third and challenged him and lost in the primary there. And Peacow is mayor of Orland Park. So he's got a base in that south suburban mm-hmm. area. But Pico was a Trumpian, basically. And here again... You know the suburbans are are taking it out on on Trumpism. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: um, and let's stick with the suburbs while we're here. Uh, Democrat Lauren Underwood won her third term in Congress. She was also in a redrawn
1: district. They were everybody was in a redrawn district. Yeah, so uh, and and with, makes it tougher. And with Underwood too, she actually two years ago, uh, as as she's viewed as a still a younger bright star in the party, mm-hmm. and and frankly. The idea of her representing a district that was uh, had McHenry County in it as an African-American yeah. I thought was pretty stunning, yeah. but uh, she almost lost two years ago. I mean, I think that it was, was about a thou- under a 1,000 yeah, votes. It was razor thin. Yeah. And so there were concerns this time, too, in trying – Democrats, are they going to get too cute in trying to maximize Democratic representation out of Illinois? And she uh, did exceedingly well. And another suburban one is Bill Foster. Yeah. And I bring that up. Bill Foster's also of Naperville, like uh, Lauren is. Uh, he was running against a woman named uh, Catalina Loff. And and for the re- Republican Trump crowd, she's the anti-AOC. <laughs> <laughs> she's young. Fits the profile. Yes, fits the profile. Anti- she was actually AOC. in Trump's uh, videos during his renomination, uh, convention uh, the video convention exactly yeah. and you know this is her second try for Congress and failed.
0: yeah this is reset I'm Sasha Ann Simons we're going behind the headlines in the weekly news recap with Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune Mike Flannery of Fox 32 news And Brandon Pope, who's host of On the Block on WCIU Channel 26. A reminder that you can now watch the weekly news recap live on the WBEZ Facebook and YouTube pages. You can leave us a comment or question. Talk to us in that YouTube chat box already getting some compliments for Brandon's Black Panther shirt. you like that? Y'all so if you're like listening that? on the radio and you can't see that, go to YouTube. Check us out. <laughs> Check, Check us, us out. <laughs> um All right. So sticking with you for a moment here, Brandon, Chicago, nearly half of Chicago voters were assigned to new polling places. Was there confusion on Election Day?
3: Yeah, a lot of confusion. I, I heard a lot of different problems from people. There were two big ones. Early in the day, um, at some precincts about... Ten to fifteen different precincts in Chicago. People only received one ballot. Now, if you if you voted, you know you get two ballots, and that second ballot's got the judges on it. Yeah, a lot of people weren't getting that in the morning. They corrected it later on, but that's a big faux pas. Another issue people were reporting: uh, the pens being used. We got those Scantron sheets for voting now. People were getting or being given sharpies. Sharpies bleed oh through gosh. if you have it over the other ballot. And so that can impact how that ballot's going to come Actually, out.
1: Actually, it doesn't impact it. Mm, really? It really doesn't. And, and the way that the, it overlays. Yeah. And in fact, State Board of Elections was suggesting that Sharpies are the prefer- Interesting. preferable. But they said that the ballots are designed in, so mind we'll in, that, um, in mind of that, in mind of that bleed through issue.
3: Interesting. Well, there was a lot of confusion at polling places about yeah. that because sure. there were people thought they were, were spoiling their second. About page. whether they were Exactly. Right. Okay. I mean, I had my ballot thrown out because they were like, "Oh, you can't. You gotta not, you, color in the line." Exactly. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to basics,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you have thoughts on the on on this here
2: well it, it the sharpie as I understand it the printer and the manufacturer of the of the system does recommend sharpies and uh, while indeed it does bleed through it's there's only on there's a, it's only uh, it's not double printed it's just on one side uh, for the candidates um the, you know the the uh, so I, I don't think that's an issue. I, I know that was labeled by uh, by the uh, le- local election officials mm-hmm. here and in the suburbs as as, a, as misinformation. Um, I, I think as long as we were mentioning the, the courts earlier, I think it's worth pointing out that Judge Tim Evans uh, survived a sort of half-hearted, faint-hearted effort to get voters to vote no on him. So he remains mm-hmm. uh, and has a new term as chief judge of the Cook County Circuit Court.
0: Brandon, a local political dynasty is back in the spotlight. I'm talking about Jonathan Jackson, who's the son of civil rights activist Jesse Jackson, as we know. He easily won that first congressional district. Remind us who Jonathan Jackson is, though.
3: Yeah, Jonathan Jackson currently uh, oversees Rainbow Push Coalition. Uh, He's part of this political dynasty, uh, the great Reverend Jesse Jackson. Um, What's been interesting here, this was not particularly a close race with the Republican challenger and Carlson. But, of course, we all followed that Illinois first that that pool of candidates and and Jonathan Jackson somehow survived that he was not favored to win. There were other favorites there. Um And he was kind of seen as, you know, uh many, many predicted that it wasn't going to work out for him because of that political dynasty aspect. Yeah. And people they, people thought voters want something different. Well, well in their way, were there, and there honestly, were also
1: concerns about. His and brother, also, yeah, and and how he left <laughs> the, the seat, yeah, yeah. and is that leave a bad nepotism and
3: things in, like that, yeah. Oversight. So he got that seat now. He's now the first congressional uh, congressman there, take overtaking a uh, Bobby Rush's previous seat, and Bobby Rush has given his okay and kind of uh, passed the torch in a sense,
1: even though that. he didn't endorse him exactly. in the primary,
3: yeah, yeah but. Who Bobby Rush endorsed didn't get that far in the race either. That's correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, immigration activists they also had reason to celebrate Tuesday. I'm talking about Delia Ramirez, who's now going to be the Midwest's first Latina heading to Congress. And
1: again, here here is another interesting district here where it does take in you know vast swatches of truly old conservative DuPage County. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and you have a Latina. Congresswoman representing Wheaton, Illinois. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I mean, yeah. as I said, I, you know, this is this is a very interesting dynamic and a progressive here. And, and, and a progressive, Green taboo. New Deal. Yes. Like
3: she, she's not your typical suburban would win a suburban race flat out, right. When you think right. about it no. on paper, but
1: that agenda, yeah. And and I was yeah. always curious too, and and that goes back to the primary when she ran against uh, Gil Viegas yeah. about because Gil seemed to be a more moderate. To her progressive social uh, agenda, yeah. and 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 she swamped him, and so <laughs> uh, yeah, this I mean, just a very interesting kind of collage is developing in in these congressional districts. Yeah.
0: Now, um, yeah, she's the daughter of Guatemalan immigrants. Um, her husband has DACA status as well. Yeah. Uh, yes. Ramirez, uh, tell us about uh, Han Win. Rick, who's the state representative elect um, here, you know, Asian Americans here are celebrating as well.
1: Absolutely. And and this is another factor to look at in the kind of the growth of the power of the Democratic Party here is. The, in this diversity of candidates versus, as Jim Edgar said, you've got Republicans are increasingly becoming the party of old white men and mm-hmm. not adapting to the change in demographics. And with, you know, Han Nguyen, a Vietnamese refugee yeah. who was not even the uh, endorsed Democratic Party endorsed candidate for the seat. but. You know, look at these beginnings as a refugee goes, graduates from Yale. Yeah. Uh, graduate school at Harvard. Harvard as well. Yeah. Um, and now he's going to represent
0: Uptown, Lincoln Square. Square
1: Andersonville. And uh, he does have a kind of a, a more progressive, uh, outlook on things. Uh, but it fits in with the district. And, um, it's, it's just, you know, you are seeing an, an Asian Americans too. Are becoming another growing factor here in the demographics that we saw yeah. coming from the census, and now they're starting to flex even more political might in the uh, in the great makeup of Chicago yeah. and Illinois. And
3: I think it's fascinating seeing the the turnout numbers from Gen Z and millennials. Many for for years we've Incredible. been saying millennials don't vote. Just look at Chicago. Zoom in. Twenty-five to thirty-four year olds were the second largest voting we block were. in the city. I saw
0: you tweet that with pride. Oh, I, I mean, as a, as a proud
3: you know thirty-year-old, like, yeah, we did it. Yes, my people. It's going to be pivotal though going forward. Candidates have to look at these two blocks as as crucial to to winning their elections. I think.
1: Yeah, it's not just the race is being decided in the senior assisted living facilities. Right. right. Well, I mean, but even though that's still a very dedicated voting Absolutely. block, but. It's been incumbent upon both parties to try to reach out to younger voters because voters
0: are stepping out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're energetic. They're passionate about the issue. They're fed up. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot to be fed up about,
0: no doubt. Um, Mike, over to you again. Sharon Chung is going to become the first Korean American in Illinois state legislature. Uh, Talk to us about how big of a deal it is for Illinois Democrats to, to be grabbing that seat.
2: Well, you know, she she symbolizes, uh, you know, the same thing, you know, the the, the rising influence of uh, of Korean and Asian Americans. Uh, you know, she symbolizes uh, the same sort of thing that uh, uh, Delia Ramirez does, uh, the the ascendancy of, you know, not, not just the first Latina, but the second uh, Hispanic member of Congress. And a um, you know and, and underscoring uh, what a rising force uh, Hispanics are in in local politics, um, you know if you want to look at the future, take a look at the enrollment in the Chicago public schools. You know they uh, Hispanics, Latinos, Latinas are the uh, largest ethnic group uh, uh, by a substantial margin now in the Chicago public schools, and increasingly that's what the future of Chicago will look like.
0: Yeah. And Chung, of course, is is uh, representing Bloomington normal, normal, um, <laughs> another big Democratic win. They maintained control of the state Supreme Court. How important was that, Rick? That's ultra that's
1: ultra important. And And I guess the one regret when you have an election like this where you've been bombarded by ads for governor and governor and governor and governor, and that's a statewide race, mm-hmm. obviously. But this was an interesting fact is that for years since 1960s, the makeup of the Supreme Court was basically four or three Democrats. And this year uh, they redrew the five districts uh, Redrew? – I'm sorry, redrew two districts. By, by the state constitution, Cook County has three state Supreme Court justices. So automatically Democrats get three seats right. with that – they redrew uh, – Two of the districts, one that's North Suburban and Northwest, another district that's South Suburban, Southwest and rural. Yeah. And there it was a matter of truly control of the Supreme Court and uh, Supreme Court. You know, these days, the courts are becoming more and more political. Mm -hmm. It's kind of strange that you're supposed to be elected as a on a partisan you know, party. Right. Yeah. But then you become not, now you're a judge. So now you're now you you know you're not partisan. It's always been weird, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was an integrity in the system that mm-hmm. that is no longer there. I think. And so, really, this is the first time you had uh, candidates campaigning, talking about issues like abortion, abortion and yeah. things, where they would normally say, "Well, mm-hmm. we're not really supposed to talk about things that could." Come before us.
0: That is true. Yeah. Well, before we take a quick pause, leave us with this, this strong showing for Democrats. What do you all think it means for Donald Trump?
3: <laughs> OK, I, this has been something people have been talking about a lot. Trump is allegedly going to be announcing or thinking about announcing next week. I do think the GOP has moved past candidate Trump. I think Trumpism is still there. Mm. I think they'd like to look at look at how Ron DeSantis did in Florida his strong performance. They are, they're loving that right now. He's looked at as a potential guy that could go toe-to-toe with Trump. I, I think the GOP overall is wanting to move past him because look at what this red ripple looked like. It's supposed <laughs> to be a red, ray. It was red wave. It was, it was kind of more of a ripple. So
1: yeah. I think that's really what it is. I think they'd like to. Yeah. Uh, you think they, it's it, probably not possible, right? Well, I think that's for that's where their reckoning point is. Yeah. Is, is. They have to decide. I mean, you are starting to see some major leaders in Washington on the Republican side saying it's time to put him in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look at the look at the quality of candidates that he endorsed and how did they do? Okay, (laughs) all the election deniers.
0: Hold that thought. Rick Pearson with the Chicago Tribune, Mike Flannery from Fox 32 News and Brandon Pope with WCIU Channel 26. They're going to stick around. We hope that you will, too, because there's so much more news to get to.
2: Do you want to pay a little more to help fund the Cook County Forest Preserve? What
0: if President Biden decides not to run in 2024? Pritzker's name is certainly on many short lists. The Workers' Rights Amendment, it hasn't been called yet. And the amendment essentially codifies in the Illinois Constitution the right for employees to organize and bargain collectively over things like wages, hours and working conditions. Our panel today, Rick Pearson, chief political reporter for the Chicago Tribune, Brandon Pope, host of On the Block on WCIU Channel 26 and host of season four of WBEZ's Making podcast, and Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox 32 News. Remember, you can also watch the weekly news recap live on the WBEZ Facebook and YouTube pages. Mike, I want to take a look now at a couple of measures that were on the midterm ballot. Uh, A pro-labor constitutional amendment, which is called the Workers' Rights Amendment, that's still too close to call. So what are the details there?
2: Well, the details are that, uh, I mean, in terms of why it's too close to call, is uh, that the state constitution requires that any amendment to it must be approved by 60 percent of the voters or by an absolute majority, 50 percent plus one of those voting on the question. Um, And so it it appears that, uh, you know, tens of thousands of voters uh, took a pass on it, not clear why, uh, even though it did say at the top of your ballot, it was at the top of the ballot, and it did say not voting uh, could be construed as a negative uh, vote on this because it will affect the ability of it to become law. But it uh, was prompted, as I understand it, uh, labor leaders started thinking about this when uh, former Governor Bruce Rauner was uh, pushing a right to work uh, r- right to work uh, labor zones uh, economic development enterprise zones where um, uh, unions would have been weaker uh, th- this this would uh, be the uh, the so-called right to work laws uh, that are in effect in Indiana uh, just about all of our neighboring states mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know they they make it more difficult for unions uh, both to organize uh, to collect dues. Um, and, and, and generally leave them uh, much weaker than in a place like Illinois. So this would have codified in the state constitution the, uh, the the right to collectively bargain and would have made it impossible to pass a right-to-work law in the General Assembly. To, to pass one, if this does become part of the constitution, another constitutional amendment would be needed to, to, to enact right-to-work.
1: The union's... Do say oh, that they have the votes that this yeah. has, has passed. They're now, declaring victory. Part of, part, yeah. Yes, part of the problem is is the vote counting that is being done by the Associated Press. But Wh- but that having been said, one of the issues and and you know the last time Labor had an amendment a uh, proposed, constitutional amendment was the uh, lockbox amendment for transportation, and that passed overwhelmingly to make sure money is spent on taxes at the gas pump go to actually do the roads. This one, they put a lot of money behind and it became very close. And part of it was the opposition, which is rooted in people that were supportive of Governor Bruce Rauner and his anti-labor agenda uh, were selling, trying to sell that this would result in a uh, property tax increase because of its effect on public uh, service union workers. And the figures that they were touting, were just the normal rate of increase in property taxes. It right. so had nothing to do with or any They've kind been of. They've
3: calling it a hidden tax hike. And, 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 yeah, and and
1: but there was no, right. there was nothing behind exactly. it at all. But still, the best way to try to defeat something is say, hey, it's going to raise your taxes.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know the the question I think is going to hang in the balance until, uh, you know, maybe until next week. Uh, mail vote by mail ballots and still come in until November 22nd, um, but but the, the, the union uh, union leaders and, and officials argue that uh, all they need is about 55 percent in order to surpass that 50 uh, percent plus one requirement of all those who voted on the question.
1: Mm-hmm. Just real quick on this, too, I want to say there probably will be some – assuming this becomes part of the Constitution, yeah. there probably will be court cases down the line to challenge – Just how sweeping it is when it comes because it's not just the right to collectively bargain for normal things like salary and wages, but also kind of environmental conditions Mm -hmm. and safety conditions, things that, you know, I think the courts are going to have to maybe step in at some point to decide.
0: Let's hear from our friends on YouTube who are also chiming in on the workers' rights amendment. D. Farm says, this is just another example of labor's overreach in Illinois. The current Constitution has doomed Illinois to ever fix its pension hole. Chicago 675 says, we don't need it. I hope it doesn't pass. It's only for public sector workers. And uh, Paige Smith says, as a lifetime culinary worker, my love of cooking led me through journeys of financial and emotional abuse. Workers' rights. Hmm. Lots of exclamation marks. Um, Moving on, Brandon. Cook County voters approved a slight property tax increase for the Forest Preserve details
3: very slight 0.25 percent okay. increase there. cook county property taxes uh people like their wildlife in cook county is what it looks like the uh vote was 68.2 with 99 percent reporting not completely counted yet but mm-hmm. uh that's pretty resounding there and so this is the first uh Property tax increase that the forest preserves have been asking for since the 1930s. They 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 were trying to hit that point pretty hard, put a lot of money into trying to get the word out about this. This impacts you know hiking trails, signs. They want to use this to try to make things more energy efficient, uh, help with endangered species. You got the Brookfield Zoo, of course, Chicago Botanical Garden, all under the forest preserve. So, uh, looks like Cook County voters overall said, yeah, you know, it it, it amounts to a dollar sixty six a month. About $20 a year. Yeah. They said,
1: hey, I'll give that up. I didn't see a single negative uh, opposition, no organized opposition to it. I
3: think we can all get behind, you know, good forests and and wildlife, right?
0: Kind of seems like cruel to- (laughs) Kind of non-controversial, you (laughs) think, right? Right, right. (laughs) Um, uh, Help me out here, Rick. Uh, Some other ballot measures that might have gone unnoticed by a lot of us. Three downstate counties voted- about uh, seceding from Illinois and forming a
1: new state. Always, That always happens. <laughs> Quick as you can with this one. Yeah, okay. I mean, this is actually Ooh. this is an offshoot of the Darren Bailey stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, Bailey, when he was, as a member of the legislature, co-sponsored a resolution saying Chicago should be spun off from the rest of the state. This is a part of the eastern block of uh um, very conservative legislators in Springfield that are Bailey supporters. Bailey's a member of. And this is again, kind of the, the, I mean, there's no validity to this at all, but it does should be concerning for everybody that, you know, part of the strength of this state is its diversity. Mm-hmm. And there is a block of downstate that's now ruby red that just says, you know, we're tired of Chicago and it's progressive politics dictating its values on us, which are more conservative. Yeah. And I do think there might be some value in just, you know, taking a step back and realizing that, you know, everybody should have a voice. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, even as, you know, as ridiculous as this sounds. But I do think it does describe kind of we are a state of two states here in Illinois. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, J.B. Pritzker, double digit win on Tuesday. He had some asking whether he might be eyeing an even higher office. That's the president of the United States. But here's what he had to say.
2: I am not focused on that at all. I am focused on serving as governor for the next four years. It's really the most important thing to me is we have a lot of challenges that Illinois needs to overcome. We've got to work hard on it, and I'll be doing that.
0: All right, so he's not focused on that at all. Um, Still, though, there's a lot of speculation. Your thoughts on Pritzker's presidential ambitions?
1: Well, if anybody watched the speech that he gave in declaring victory. Quite a speech. Oh, yes. it, it sounded
3: very 2024.
1: It, and it went far beyond, <laughs> as I said, it went far beyond <laughs> the uh, Great River on one end and the Great Lake on the other side yeah. of the state. This was, this. It, the contours were national. And uh, he actually went on to say uh, the next day uh, after that clip that he commits to not uh, he commits to planning to to serve as governor.
3: I think what's very fascinating about Pritzker as a 2024 candidate, Joe Biden right now is very wishy-washy, whether he's going to do 2024. And that delays how soon these candidates who'd like to step in for 2024 could fundraise. J.B. Pritzker doesn't have to worry about that. That mm-hmm. man can fund his own campaign. So mm-hmm. I think that makes him really viable as a candidate if he does decide to run in 2024. He's obviously saying what he's going to say and what he's supposed to say as, as the current governor. And, and, and,
1: and also, don't forget, like, he he was in Florida, he yeah. was in New Hampshire, he's, you know. All those visits. And, and, were very and, and, peculiar. and quite frankly, helping to be able to use your money to pick your opponent yeah. and cast a, a weak opponent you're not you don't have to worry about campaigning that much in person for Governor when you lose well, through the luxury of trying to float your name
0: well, yeah. what what do you think, Mike? Do you think Pritzker is committed to finishing his term
2: uh, No. He, he <laughs> I mean, you, you, Rick, you were there at that news conference. Uh, he took great pains. He, it, it, it was almost comical. It was like a Saturday Night Live sketch. He, he found different constructions to seem to be saying uh, that he was going to and, stay for four and, years. And we were, and well we were all, and to, we, I commit to planning to stay for four years. I I and,
1: and we were all laughing at him yeah. as he, he was have doing have this. he a
2: consultant hundred thousand dollars to come up with all those different ways of, of of not saying I commit hard and fast uh, not to running for president.
0: I commit to planning. I love it. Uh, imagine All right.
3: Battle of the Governors 2024, DeSantis <laughs> versus Pritzker. That could be a thing. You never know. You never yeah.
0: know. All right. Another pause. Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox 32 News, Rick Pearson, chief political reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and Brandon Pope of WCIU Channel 26. They're going to stick around. Much more news to get to. Back now with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, it's our weekly news recap where we make sense of the top local and state stories from recent days. Before the break, we were going over the results from the midterm election. And still with us, Chicago journalists, Mike Flannery, Rick Pearson, and Brandon Pope. Over to you, Mike, we're going to turn to city news. Chicago City Council approved Mayor Lightfoot's 2023 budget on Monday, but not with overwhelming support, though. What were some of the criticisms?
2: Well, I, I think it boils down to uh criticisms of uh you know I mean there there was the substance of criticism but but I think undergirding it all was uh the fact that uh, a non, a number of aldermen are are have jumped into the mayoral campaign themselves uh and uh have or have sided with other candidates and I think there is a sense that uh, that the mayor may well be a one-termer um and uh you know on top of it all she uh, she proudly says that she doesn't buy votes she certainly uh you know she doesn't offer uh by, by that she means she doesn't offer the sort of uh projects and 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 ward level spending uh that the previous mayors did mm-hmm. um, but uh she is certainly one who punishes those who vote no um, and is willing to uh to uh, you know and, and and often seems to to pick fights uh with people who might be natural allies and and you know Susan said Garza being at the Chewy Garcia announcement uh, this week uh, underscores that she had been a close ally of Lori Lightfoot but kind of just had it with the mayor. Yeah. Um you know the criticism uh the criticism uh, often boiled down to not enough spending uh in in some of the uh, you know in, either in projects that are important to local wards uh, or to um, or to projects uh, that uh, you know that that for ideological reasons people are behind um, and uh, you know the mayor was was willing to uh, engage on some of that. But then there are other aldermen who say that she doesn't return calls, that you know she's cast them into the outer darkness, perceives them as enemies, um, and, and which is a departure from from Rich Daly and Rahm Emanuel. They they did engage with even harsh critics at budget time, yeah. um, And uh, you know, not Mayor Lightfoot's strategy, not not her style.
0: Brandon, uh, switching gears here. The mayor's race won't be the only race that's going on in Chicago in 2023, right? Plans for NASCAR's street race weekend. (laughs) That's scheduled for next 4th of July. And and it's moving into high gear. Tickets went on sale yesterday. How much are these premium tickets going for?
3: Oh, wee Well, if you want just a ticket. Sounds like
0: a lot, Brandon. They start at
3: about $400. So if you... Yeah, I know. That's that's quite an investment. Now, if you really want to make an experience of it, though, $3,000 to $5,000 for the premium suite package overlooking Grant Park. If you got that kind of cash, you're a big fan of NASCAR, go for it. This is obviously a race that people are a little passionately have we, upset have, about
1: have we all decided where we're going to be not in chicago on the <laughs>
3: <laughs> look I, i'm gonna be honest i'm not a nascar guy but i kind of want to just be there to see who
1: see how it wrecks up exactly. time, right? <laughs> literally <laughs> after after two weeks of traffic being wrecked up in yeah, the city just oh set this, this thing going be a disaster mike,
0: uh, mike are you shocked that this is going to be happening
2: I'm. I don't know if I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I, I, I think Mayor Lightfoot uh, deserves some kudos for uh, for for bringing them in. Uh, it 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 has irritated, aggravated, and uh, and, and perhaps <laughs> yeah. uh, cost her some votes uh, in the immediate environs. There, yeah. uh, the the downtown uh, aldermen, those those adjacent, uh, both near south and near north, as well as Brendan Riley, right downtown, uh, don't like it because their residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, have the same reaction that Rick has. You know, where, where are we going to go for those two weeks? <laughs> exactly. Our friends
0: on YouTube have the same reaction as Rick as well. Yeah. Chicago 675 says, I'm getting out of town. For NASCAR weekend, for I, sure.
2: I think it's going to be you a heck of a spectacle, though. <laughs> if you just think about it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the city's beautiful. I, you, know, I, I still have people who, uh, who recollect uh, the, the night that Barack Obama in 2008 was elected, and uh, when he was first elected, and how beautiful the city looked. Um yeah. You know, and and you get those same shots. Uh, uh, during Lollapalooza, and this will be one more opportunity to show off that incredible mm-hmm. lakefront.
1: Yeah, except if you're going to do a real world-class event, you do world-class racing. You mm-hmm. do Formula One cars. You well, get an remember, international uh, audience. Jane
2: Byrne, Jane Byrne wanted to bring in yeah. uh, uh, a a a NASCAR. Grand Prix, Monte Carlo, <laughs> yes, yes mm-hmm. that's what you well, well, that's
1: But that's what we're going to have with street cars. I mean, come on. It's NASCAR. This is not, you know. It's something I never would have predicted would come to Chicago anytime soon. And here it is. It's a
2: reason for Darren Bailey to keep that uh, (laughs) uh, condo in the (laughs) (laughs) handcuffs. Maybe he will.
1: And he'll be selling tickets for more than $400, I'm sure. sure. Mm.
0: All right. Well, let's steer the conversation over to something very different. (laughs) Nice. Changing gears. Changing gears here. Yeah. Controversy led to hundreds of students protesting and walking out of class at Chicago's Jones College Prep. Briefly tell us what happened there, Brandon.
3: Yeah, Jones College Prep. Uh, a student wore a, uh, a, a German soldier costume and made some hand gestures that many viewed as anti-Semitic. Let's be honest, they were. They looked like some Hail Hitler type of, type of salutes. Uh, the controversy though is that, you know, Obviously, students were upset about this. The principal kind of downplayed it in an email to parents, kind of said, oh, I don't think that was his intent. Mm-hmm. And now that principal is removed from his principal duties um, as they investigate his handling of the case. And students are they're going to voice their opinion. And they they sat in not just the first floor, the second floor, of the entire lobby. Connect. I got
1: emails yeah. from students. Me. Yeah. Is political? <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. and I appreciate that they were passionate enough yeah. to, to reach out about this. Yeah. These because- kids organize. They sure do.
0: Okay, more disturbing news. Uh, this is from the far north Rogers Park neighborhood. Mm. This one involved a school bus.
3: You see the rise of Jewish hate going around the country. Hate crimes are up. And this just is just concerning news. A group of men, they boarded a school bus reportedly carrying Jewish children, yelled different anti-Semitic slurs at them, gave the Hitler salute. Um, that, according to the Simon Weisenthal Center, the CPD, they're investigating. Uh, they have yet to c- confirm those details officially. Mm-hmm. But that's what the Weisenthal Center is saying. Um, Chicago Commission on Human Relations, they reported hate crimes targeting Jews are up 75 percent of the city. So when you see Ooh. something like that happen, you hear Kyrie Irving with his stuff and Kanye West. It just you're seeing this rise of anti It all seems to bubble up sentiment. at the same time, too, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah, uh. just really sad to see and to to target kids, too. Yeah. just really unfortunate.
0: That's insane. Um, One more of, of these types of stories here, Brandon. Unfortunately... Ugh. Chicago Southside's construction's been temporarily halted uh, at the Obama Presidential Center. What happened there?
3: Yeah, the Lakeside Alliance is a black-owned construction firm. They've been tasked with building the Obama Center. They saw a noose. They reported a noose being there. They're obviously upset about that. So what they're doing, they don't know who did it. They're trying to figure that out. They're holding racial sensitivity and bias training. And so they suspended construction on that Jackson Park Center indefinitely, offering a $100,000 reward to anyone who knows any information. This, under the backdrop, Hyde Park, that area, recently had uh, some whites-only signs posted along. People reported that. Turns out there was a performing artist, a black woman, who was behind that. Right. But... The neighborhood is on edge now because of stuff like that. And then you see a noose like that. Yeah. It it just raises that level of concern as we get that CPD report that hate crimes on black Chicagoans are up as well. Mm -hmm. So really scary stuff there.
0: Well, I want to turn to something that is not a local story, folks. But as journalists, I do want to get your thoughts on Twitter because Mm. we can't ignore it. There's a lot happening right now. We use Twitter a lot. It's, it's, It's the social media platform of choice for a lot of us working in media. But. A lot of changes are happening right now under Elon Musk. So, Brandon, are you going to keep tweeting?
3: I will keep tweeting as long as people are there to see the tweet and the community <laughs> is still there. Because ultimately Cause they're
0: leaving. My, my followers are dropping like flies.
3: Really? Yeah. It's about community. And it's just disconcerting that it seems like Elon Musk doesn't understand what verification is about. It's not a status symbol as some of. Made it into. It's about confirming that what these people are saying is actually coming from them. I don't know if you've seen the recent examples of people making fake accounts yeah. and they got their verified check mark. Mm-hmm. There was a fake Rudy Giuliani account talking about Nancy Pelosi got them things banging. Like, y- y- oh you got some gosh. wild, and people were taking it and believing it. You got Eli Lilly, a fake Eli Lilly account talking about insulin's free for everybody and people are running with it. So this the is the danger that account. Elon Musk has created.
0: What'd you say there, Mike?
2: There was a fake Tesla Motors account. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um,
0: I'm seeing here uh, Twitter paused allowing people to buy check marks as athletes like LeBron James, politicians mm-hmm. like President Biden, former President George Bush, uh, as well as Arizona's Republican candidate for governor, Kerry Lake, corporate brands like Eli Lilly, they were all impersonated. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Rick, you uh, and Brandon, myself, we all have the blue check marks. Mike. You don't have the blue check mark, even though you have more followers than any of us. But but I'm
2: a very infrequent user of it. Yeah, but do
0: you you think that you would cough up eight bucks a month? No,
2: no way, (laughs) no way. Um, But I but I will uh, I I will say the other thing that 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 is strange about this, uh, guys, is um, he's now saying Elon Musk is now saying that 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 Twitter's uh, losing billions. Um, you know, I mean, we knew it might not be very profitable, but mm-hmm. but he's and yet he spent forty four billion for it. I yeah. mean, it, it it all sounds crazy.
3: What concerns me most: misinformation,
2: especially Absolutely. around election
3: time. It's just it's just bad timing.
2: I I, I think there. I I think it's headed. It's it's, yeah. it's headed downhill. It's headed yeah. to the ash sheep here.
1: I, I'm not going to pay eight bucks. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> I didn't think you would. I'm going to laugh at folks that do. <laughs> no, I, well, it's, it, as you said, verification was to let people know you're the one. To, yeah. And these days, in, with all the misinformation, yeah. that was a way That's to, important. you know, putting our words to what we do, mm-hmm. is, is, that is an essence of journalism. We're responsible for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then to have this. And for, I, I would like to have forty-four billion dollars to just to set in a pile and I know, burn right? like leaves. <laughs> well,
0: I want I w- I got to give a shout out to the folks online again. Shamrock Bloom says Elon Musk is a troll. I hope he loses his investment and sorry for the employees he's firing yeah. and denying them their pay and bonuses. And someone. Mike, you'll like this one. Chicago's 675 started a new hashtag. Hashtag Flannery should be verified. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We got we to gotta leave it there, guys. Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox 32 News, Rick Pearson, chief political reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and Brandon Pope, host of On the Block. That's airing on WCIU channel 26. He's also host of Season 4 of WBEZ's Making Podcast, out now. Thank you for joining us. Great to be here. (laughs) Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of you who were chatting with us in the comments section. If you did miss the visuals, remember you can head over to Facebook or YouTube and catch up over the weekend. That's it for Reset.